Welcome to the Pain-Free Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Jones. I am a certified personal trainer, and I'm here to help you achieve your fitness goals without pain. In each episode, I'll share tips and strategies that will help you stay safe and pain-free while you're working out. I'll also interview experts in the field of fitness and pain management. So if you're ready to learn how to stay active and pain-free, then subscribe to the Pain-Free Athlete Podcast today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Pain-Free Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Jones. And today I am joined by healer, I think is probably one of the best words that we can use to describe you, Sonia McVeigh. Uh, and I'm going to turn it over to you to introduce yourself. Hi, thank you for having me. It's uh, very exciting. And thank you for calling me that. <laughs> um, I am Sonia McVeigh. I have been in the, I'll say, sports rehabilitation uh, and training world for almost 20 years now. So... Yeah. That's it. That's all you got. <laughs> you have a you have a no, lot of smart. like I when I look smart. at your yeah. resume, holy moly, the amount of certifications that you have. And I mean, yeah. you're just a young pup and you have all this stuff. Like, so where does the passion come from? Like, you know, what kind of journey are you on that you're just sucking in all the knowledge and sharing <laughs> it with everybody? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a that's an awesome question and an interesting story. I'll say the longer that I'm in this business, um, the I have less care about their credentialing and, and more care about how we're caring, if that makes sense. Um, sure. But how I how I started was as a Pilates instructor after sort of trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life at a young age. I was 19 years old when I got to teach uh, at a local studio called Tone. And um, I had just come from living in the hills in Romania where I was able to assist rehabbing severely disabled orphans uh, with, with mm. very little treatment. And sort of combined with my my passion and love for sports and then being able to see the, uh, I'd say the, the spirits of children change through through palpation and, and care, uh, you know, with very little in a space where they had very little, uh, we would say like medical grade equipment for the things they were suffering, really uh, impacted me greatly enough to, to come home and, and want to serve in that way. So Pilates for me was a mechanism to start. Um, and then I, I really wanted to keep pushing past, um, you know, quote unquote, just being a trainer into understanding um, specialty sports, which would be helping uh, performance and rehab for, for spine pathologies. I had great teachers. Uh, Monica Anderson was her name. And she said, you know, after I hit about 10,000 hours of practice, which is mastery level for, for a Pilates teacher, she kept saying, pick a specialty. And I picked spine pathologies and um, started going to clinical school and, and exploring certification from there. Um, and then I was, I was able to be in the pro sports space multiple times for different projects. And the more that I got into that, I couldn't really shake my, my blue collar roots and mm -hmm. wanting to serve, uh, the, the veteran and first responder population. So, uh, over the years I, I kept getting, uh, different certifications and pursuing that population. And, uh, from then I am the proud owner of the six foundation. Now we've got a, about a 6,000 square foot gym with eight treatment rooms and we are modeled much after how you would see, uh, college and professional sports have, um, ATCs, so they have professional trainers and professional mm -hmm. coaches. We we do not. We're we have um, 
I call us like the Robin Hood or, or the Batman of sports rehab. So in order to stay af affordable, you know, more or less for our populations, I hire massage and manual therapists that have a lot of experience. We do have a clinical acupuncturist on staff and we study hard. Um, we, we're not a diagnosis space. We're not a diagnostic space at all. We've never been. Um, but we use tools that serve and support uh, proficient movement for our populations. We, we've got probably around 30,000 hours of time with, with police, uh, law enforcement, and military at this time. Now, you know, I am a veteran, and I have watched um, over the years how things have changed mm -hmm. for our community. And, I mean, it's uh, it always ebbs and flows. Like, there was a high suicide trauma rate, like, you know, Vietnam era, then we kind of took a break and then things kind of picked up again. Like, you know, when we went into Saudi and, and Afghanistan and, and stuff, but I think, you know, the prolonged exposure in Afghanistan really created probably more than any human can handle, especially since they changed the way that uh, people were being deployed. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it wasn't a one shot deal anymore. It was like repeated exposures, um, and it's like, what are you seeing on your end, you know, in there, like, like what type of, um, you know, and we'll talk about the other responders, but what type of veterans are you seeing? Like, are you seeing that kind of stuff where it's just repeated exposure and then like mind body stuff, or is it actual injuries? You know, Yeah, it, it really, for me, depends on the era. Um, we, um, I, I was able to finally actually become a VA provider. So, so we are the VA now after many years. And um, what was interesting is uh, before the VA was sending people directly into us and, and paying for it, our word of mouth was bringing us, I'd say, more um, post 9-11 uh, veterans. And those guys um, would definitely present with, in my opinion, a more acute um, post-traumatic stress injury uh, and then, and then typical sports injuries. So we'd have young, young men and women, you know, 24, 25 coming back from already two and three tours, um, in Afghanistan or more recently, like from Syria. And there would be, uh, a lot of MSK, uh, injury. We, we can't really pull apart, uh, traumatic exposure, right. From, from sports mm. injury. Doesn't, that doesn't really fly. <laughs> and, and what is MSK? What is MSK? Musculoskeletal injury. Okay. So, you know, for instance, if somebody's going through back pain or, or knee pain, uh, but also they haven't slept in, you know, a year because of uh, a trauma injury, we really have to integrate and understand all of that. Um, the VA now, we just had our first, like, Korean War vet come, come in. He's 94. It was great because um, we – what I love is that the Six Foundation was built for these guys. So it comes in. Oftentimes they'll say, this looks like a gym from Afghanistan – um, I, I chose the color scheme on purpose. I chose how it feels on purpose so they'd feel at home. And oftentimes the vets have an experience, a place that feels like home for them. Mm -hmm. So automatically there's, there's a welcome. And then when these guys come in, we are, I, I just get so grateful and I'm so excited that they're in, uh, he's this particular gentleman's 94 and, uh, he's got a body full of 94 year old injuries, also a mind full of stories. And, um, I had a day a couple of weeks ago where there was also multiple Vietnam vets in, and, and I have a, a little living room set up in the, in the shop or in, I call it the shop in the gym. And, um, you know, they, one of the things that's interesting about this particular era of veteran, I, I would say Vietnam and Korea, these, these older, um, men and women was just a large amount of ostracism from society. Um, and they, they still are struggling with what that feels like. And, um, I had, 
one of the gentlemen pulled me aside that I've been treating for a very long time in the shop. And he said, you know, out in the world, I still feel invisible. And now I feel like an old invisible man. And he just, he grabbed my face and he said, but when I'm in here, I feel like a man again. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I was like, oh, now I'm going to have to start eight more of these, you know. Um, but I, I think and I believe over time with this older generation being seen and creating uh, community, as we know, community integration is one of the only really scientific things to, to prove to, to rehab post-traumatic stress. And it's not just about what did I see at war, which was atrocious for them. It's also what happened when I came home. And still, you know, it's not like we have a community that's going up and, and, and shaking these guys' hands, but you can find them because they all wear their little airborne hats or, you know, or whatever their gear is still because they're very proud. And um, we make it a point in the foundation while we're addressing uh, injury for them um, to also have it feel like they're getting welcomed home. And mm-hmm. the first time you say that to me, it was very, very special. Um, I do see him like man. I do understand what he did for this country. I do understand that it's difficult times again, and they're and they're very sad and um, confused about the time that they put in. And um, again, like we can't ignore what what the mental space does for their for their pain. So these guys, the Six Foundations of Family, we have my my admin manager is a veteran herself of 26 years. Her husband's a veteran and, you know, she put together a, a, a crew of veterans to help him move. He was one of that, one of those guys just bought his first house and he's in his eighties nice. and we put together a crew and helped him move. And, um, we try to function like that is so, so that when they come in, I, we're not, we're not just trying to, to rehab a knee, you know? Right. Well, it's like a family and, and it mm-hmm. is, you know, I didn't serve during any combat time and, you know, but it is unique how a lot of times if we drop in a space and, and I meet another vet, it takes us like two seconds and then we're like instantly yeah. family. Yeah. And, uh, I appreciate the respect that I get, even though I wasn't, um, you know, in that, in the type of environments that they were in. And, um, it does, it feels like coming home a lot of times. Um, yeah. so we live in Sonoma County, and mm-hmm. uh, I'd say the last, what is it, seven years, eight years or whatever, we've dealt with a lot of funky crap, uh, especially a very catastrophic fire. Um, and prior to that, I would say, you know, we had some stress and strain, um, you know, with law enforcement dealing with, you know, some, uh, I don't know interesting um, circumstances that they were put into and, and also law enforcement on the whole is under just strain across the country. Um, what is, you know, I guess, what, it, what are you seeing in terms of, um, you know, stress related illness that's coming from our first responders, especially, like yeah. I said, with our fire uh, and the EMS crew and even law enforcement, you know, cause evacuating an entire city of almost 160,000 people, uh, on a dime is insanely stressful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think one thing that is really important for the public to understand is that, you know, like Santa Rosa's department is, is a couple hundred firefighters. The, the police department's like, I think actually under 200. So we're talking about like, uh, 
very insane numbers. I love that you brought up like the number of public we have versus the number of responders. I think typically people imagine that there's thousands <laughs> and um, that is not the case. In terms of a, a, a stress injury, if you look at statistics, um, you know, nationally, usually we're looking at like two years post-injury, two years plus post-injury, people starting to really uh, have a, a hard time. Mm. Um, and we definitely saw an influx of that. We had those two fires. We had 2017, 2019, and then uh, we had the pandemic, and then we had a lot of social uh, unrest here. So we've had really consistently every couple of years very major incidents. Um, and if you look at our work comp numbers uh, across the board, you'll see a reflection of how we're doing. And that's not just in Sonoma County. That's definitely statewide and internationally. We're seeing numbers like 20%, 30%, 40 and 50% out across the board from law enforcement corrections and the fire service of people out in work comp. And there's really um, a, a quite a big influx of, of looking statistically at whether that's from a stress injury or whether that's from a sports injury. Either way, our numbers are dramatically up um, mm -hmm. and the number of people going in is dramatically down. So if you look at how it was 20 years ago, <clears throat> um, you know, we had hundreds and hundreds of people applying to get into law enforcement or the fire service. Now it's, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50. And of those, we have 12 viable candidates. And then, of course, they have to get through the whole, <laughs> you know, system. Of right. So um, I'd say we're at a we're, we're in the middle of a tornado, if you will. Um, I, I've said this multiple times in, in the space of public speaking that uh, the seatbelt of America is broken and we have a problem. We have an emergency right now. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm seeing that and I saw that, you know, when I first came here, I did apply. I remember to I applied for the sheriff's department to be a correctional officer and I applied at a couple of different places. And I, I remember the one I think I did Oakland. And there was one position open and there was 900 candidates. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I don't have a shot at that one kind of deal. And now, you know, as a teacher, I'm watching my students go in and, you know, like, especially with firefighting, you know, we have, I can't remember what the, the lieutenant told me. I think it was like, there's something like 50,000 open firefighting uh, positions across the state for Cal Fire. Mm -hmm. And that's insane that we are that short for a state that is consistently on fire, um, you know, but and also, you know, the strain like, you know, these individuals are working way more. You know, when I first arrived, you know, 20, almost 30 years ago to Sonoma County, fire season was, you know, um, basically, I guess, June to like September ish. And then all of a sudden we're seeing fires in January. We're seeing, you know, fires in December, you know, I mean, our, the first fire that was bad for us, we saw in October, which was, you know, just a weird culmination of events. So it is weird. And our medical calls are going way up too. So if you look at, at multiple departments, we're seeing like 70, 80, 90% medical calls. So it's the, I think that the public perception still is we're waiting for a bell to ring and then spot the dog's going to, you know, run out with the firefighters and turnouts. And, and honestly, uh, while there is obviously monster fires to fight, we also are, are looking at career firemen really heavily being involved in the medical field. So like mm -hmm. Sonoma County Fire District just took on the, the emergency services contract, and that's what they are, are doing now is, okay. is medical calls. So, so does, it, does that mean they have to be firefighter and paramedic? 
often now that's who's going to get hired. Yeah. Okay. So they, they, I, every, um, every, uh, department is going to heavily be staffed with medics. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it is. Yeah. It's, that's, it's, yeah. I mean, that's where we are. And so it's interesting, right? So, you know, and I told you a little bit about me and dealing with history and, um, my pain, um, origins, and, you know, clearly like my injuries weren't injuries, right? They were, it was more of a mind body space. And, you know, what do you, like, I understand you've created an environment and you're trying. So like, you know, sometimes if you're dealing like with a Vietnam era person and you're trying to be like, well, you know, a lot of that is, you know, controlled by your, I don't know, you probably say your brain as opposed to saying your mind, because then they're like, (laughs) I don't know about that woo-woo crap. But how do you, how do you insert the mind-body piece into the rehab piece? Yeah. What's amazing, I get asked this the most, you know, all the time, because we've got very high, you know, recidivism rates and participation numbers, um, is that really most people uh, have played a sport, know somebody that's played a sport, and understand that perspective. Um, I'd say our country, right? We're, we're the football and, and basketball nation. Um, when you come um, uh, towards somebody with the intention to help them with pain, which is typically why they're there, it is not um, abnormal to ask questions like, how are you sleeping, right? Um, when you talk about stress as a whole in relationship to sports, it really waters down the idea that perhaps something is, is mentally askew. So typically that's how we have a conversation and typically people understand, yes, I'm not going to be catching the ball or throwing the ball effectively if I have a large amount of stress in my life. So, um, I'm really demystifying, um, and not languaging, you know, perhaps in a way that's going to say, you know, disabled, we're going to talk about if your nervous system as a whole isn't nourished, how does that, how does that play out in your life? And it makes it, um, non-threatening. There's, there's no defense up. There's like, and, and I'm, I, I can speak their language. So sometimes it's a little bit rough, but you know, I had a, I had a, a, a chief the other day in and, um, old school, you know, salty guy. And he, <laughs> he's doing, very well. And he looked straight at me and he said, I'm not here for your sweetness, Sonia. I'm here to get fixed. And, um, that's, that's what we hold ourselves to. Um, clearly I have a lot of sweetness and I have a lot of drive for nurturing, but at the same time, um, you know, we understand that in the professions that our populations are in, that there's a high demand on their physical capacity and it must meet the demand uh, of their mental capacity or they're not going to have a long a uh, happy career. And typically they're not going to have a long, happy, uh, life outside of work. <laughs> so, um, I don't shy away from talking about it, but I also don't come in with it first for the most part. I do have people come in to us say, and saying, Hey, I think I have a stress injury. And then of course we go through the appropriate, uh, channel so that we're not serving outside of our sandbox, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, for the, for the most part, I'm going to meet people where they're at, um, and, and typically in my space, it's injury. And then we're going to talk about, and, you know, to, in order to have an effective experience with remotoring something, right. With moving differently, your body has to be, be the container that can receive new information. So 
if you're thinking about surviving all the time, even not cognitively, but if that's what your physical body is up to, and then I'm like, hey, but you need to fire your glute, your body's going to go, I actually want to live more than I care about my glute. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. So it's really about like making that information digestible and not going into a huge like neural kinesiology lecture or behavioral health lecture. Um, it's, it's making it, uh, we, it's bringing it down to like a kindergarten level, but respecting the awesomeness of what our populations have to do. Who else does what you do? Like in this area, you know, um, you know, because I feel like for me, it's new, you know, and I've always kind of done it on the side, but now it's starting to, you know, bubble to the surface because I am getting more clients that are um, coming up with these types of stress injuries. But, yeah. and there's also, like you said, there's a massaging into eventually leading into like, Hey, if you're not sleeping, then, yeah. you know, why would your yeah. body give a crap about your back? <laughs> yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, but who else is doing like, cause I haven't found anybody around here that's yeah. really doing. I don't, I don't, I think that, um, with my particular population, uh, no one, I, I, I would love to meet them if they are. I think that there's a lot of good programs around doing, you know, um, behavioral health, you know, only, um, or, um, there's a lot of response to like, after you've had this diagnosis of post-traumatic stress, right. Um, then we're going to come in and we have some amazing programs doing that actually. Um, Sonoma County and I just contracted to put in a platform for, uh, the sheriff's office for corrections and law enforcement. And I'm working with Sonoma County fire and, uh, working with Petaluma PD. And so we're starting to see management ask for, uh, programs that encompass both, uh, which is, which is lovely. So I, I feel really fortunate to be in a County that, um, is starting to understand the the bigger picture and, and want to have change. Like, their leadership is actually asking for it. They, they came to me and that's really exciting, you know, and Santa Rosa has a great footprint and the Sonoma County has a great footprint statewide and nationwide for that. Um, in terms of, do I know another gym that has, you know, tens of thousands of hours of time with my population? Absolutely not. Um, am I going to work on how we can scale? Heck yeah. <laughs> so I, what I really like, I really want people to not have to wait to get help. And it's, uh, you know, unfortunately for me, the longer I've been doing this, it, it feels like people, um, for some reason want this big, huge answer, perhaps instead of saying, Hey, drink water, sleep, stretch your hamstrings out. So I don't have to be, uh, you know, a doctor to know that <laughs> I have 20 right. years of time serving people and serving this population. Um, but I do believe that we don't ha live in a medical system anymore that, uh, supports human bodies being excellent. You know, I think people are afraid by the time they feel like there's a, a medical issue um, and, and almost ignore uh, what I would say, like our soft tissue injuries um, until something feels like it's surgical. And even then, oftentimes, Dana, people have a, a lath that's not working or, um, you know, something that's, that's not that complicated but mm -hmm. we don't, we don't educate people in our medical system. So I really, the longer I'm doing this, I really want to bring everything down to, again, like I, I use that word kindergarten level and teach people about their bodies, teach people about their nervous systems, um, teach people about the holisticness of a body without getting too woo woo, like you said. Um, 
and cover my space where I have a lot of time in. So there's, I am bringing an expertise uh, level that, that is unique and also going, Hey, perhaps you don't have to wait 12 weeks, you know, to get in, to get imaging, to get rehab where you're going to, you know, at this point people are, are getting like um, QR codes and, and handed a piece of paper for their that's, injuries. Yes. That's seriously happening. And yeah. I, I think giving people time and attention, creating integration. If you talk about what brings the nervous system down, well, it's people. Touch physically does that. This is not new science. You know? right. And if you ask people, how many has your doctor physically touched you? People will say no, even though they're surgeons. Don't touch yeah. them. So it, I don't want to glorify what the six is doing outside of the level of care. The right. level of care is high. The it's science complimentary. is high. Yeah, the science is not new. The care level's high, the attention to detail's high, the amount of time we've put in is high. But anybody that is a trainer that loves what they do, that is a massage therapist that loves what they do, that has a population that loves what they do, can create a space where people can feel that exhale when you're with community. You said it yourself. You feel like that when you're around uh, other veterans where all of a sudden there's that sense of camaraderie. When you're in that space and then we put you into a rehab uh, position, your body's going to absorb that much more. And, and that's what we're doing. They have better results for sure. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Is it, what, so what's in the future for you aside from, <laughs> you know, sp spreading all your knowledge and wisdom on everybody? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, well, right now, my, my heart and my vision and my, and my practical practice currently is figuring out uh, how we get our modalities uh, out to the masses. What does that look like? Um, I have some really exciting partners and, uh, and practices coming up that are, I will announce when they are uh, signed and sealed. <laughs> but um, we really want to influence uh, medical space differently um, and, and make this kind of wellness available in a practical manner in a way that people understand, in a way that people can afford. So. That's awesome. So uh, how do people get in touch with you if, you know, they're a veteran and they seek your services or they maybe are a practitioner and feel like what you're doing is something that's amazing? How, how would they get in touch with you? Yeah. So my website is uh, the six foundation.com. It's all spelled out T H E S A X and then foundation.com that has my email address. It has our phone number. Um, we want to hear from people. We're, we're here to help. People can just walk in too. We're, the address is on our, our website. We have people walk in, sit on the couch and say, hey, I need, you know, I, I've, we've bought people lunch before. So that's awesome. uh, whatever it is that they need, um, if they want a VA referral for acupuncture or for something like that, I can help them with that. Um, it's really just reach out and uh, say what you need. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. So welcome.